Let's Science is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. We live in a universe of scientific wonders. Every day, scientists are inching towards breakthroughs which can change our lives. We're playing our small part in sharing these wonders with you. That's why today is a fine day for science. So let's science. I wanted to talk about women in science this week because it was International Women's Day on March, March 8th and... Taking from the website, International Women's Day is a global day celebrating the social, economic, cultural and political achievements of women. This day also marks a call to action for accelerating women's equality. And, you know, I think when we think about science, most of us think about what um, contributions men made. I mean, there are many famous men who made major discoveries, amazing discoveries, but there also have been women and, um, you know, in Australia, women only make up 30, 36% of enrolments in university STEM courses. And I think that, you know, it is increasing, but we, we, I think there needs to be a bit more of, um, you know, encouragement for women because women are intelligent just as men are and, and are also able to make contributions to science. I mean, we all heard of Marie Curie, for example, who... Um, yep. Yep. You know, she just, you know, was um, doing radio studies in radioactivity. But, you know, I wanted to this time highlight women in science in Australia because obviously we're an Australian podcast. And I don't know if many people know a lot about women in science in Australia. Despite not many women going into science, we have made some major discoveries and major dis- uh, contributions to the science world and to technology and to medicine and to all sorts of fields. So I thought I would just pick a few women who've made some really good contributions and just briefly talk about what they've done for uh, science in Australia. So, Excellent. yeah. So I let's, let's do it. go. So let's start off with Professor Susan Corey. She is a molecular biologist. Her most significant contribution to science was her co-discovery of the apoptosis gene, which uh, she made in the early 1980s. Her discoveries in the 1980s and 90s occurred while she was a researcher at the Walter Eliza Walter and Eliza Hall Institute of Medical Research in Melbourne, Australia. Now, apoptosis is a normal process that occurs in healthy cells to remove damaged or abnormal cells from the body. Uh, In cancer cells, however, the process of apoptosis is often disrupted, leading to uncontrolled cell growth and the formation of tumours. By identifying and characterising the apoptosis genes, Corey's research has helped shed light on how cancer cells avoid apoptosis and has provided new targets for cancer therapy. In 1986, she and her colleagues had identified the first apoptosis gene, which they named BCL2. And then over the next year, the few years after that, they went on to discover more genes to do with apoptosis, including the BAX, the BAD, the BCLX genes. And now they're known to play clinical 
critical roles in the regulation of apoptosis and are now targets for the development of new cancer therapies. Her research has also led to a greater understanding of how genes are regulated and expressed, especially in the immune system, as well as learning about signaling pathways and genetic interactions involved in the immune response. So that's quite a major discovery, really good work you know, leading to cancer therapy and learning more about cancer, which was a bit of an unknown yeah, before. Yeah. So it's, it's really great that she managed to um, undertake that research and come up with that. Next is Dr. Kathy Foley. She's an Australian physicist who's made a significant contribution to the field of superconductivity. She made her discoveries in the late 1980s and 90s while she was a researcher at the Commonwealth Scientific and Industrial Research Organisation, CSIRO. While working at CSIRO, she made significant contributions to the understanding of nitride semiconductors and superconducting electronics. In the 1990s, she led a team of researchers that discovered a new class of high-temperature superconducting materials. These had the potential to revolutionise a wide range of technologies from electrical power transmission to MRI. And her work on superconductivity has also led to new insights into the fundamental properties of matter and the behaviour of electrons in solids. And her research has helped to develop new theories and models of superconductivity. Dr Foley and her team went on to develop the LAND-TEM sensor system used to locate deposits of minerals deep underground, such as nickel, sulphide, silver and gold. And she's currently Australia's chief scientist at the moment. Ah, yes. right, yes, of and course. And just yeah, to yeah. say what that, uh, that role is, basically they provide authoritative and independent science advice to the government about science and technology priorities. So, well, just from, from going to working in the CSIRO, CSIRO to now becoming Chief Scientist of Australia. Chief Scientist. Amazing yeah. work. Amazing. Yes, go women. Um, yeah. <laughs> next, <laughs> I would, I'd like to talk about Dr. Elizabeth Blackburn. She is a molecular biologist who is best known for her co-discovery of telomerase, which is an enzyme that plays a role in the aging process and the development of cancer. She made her discovery in the mid-1980s while she was a researcher at the University of California in Berkeley. In 1984, Blackburn and her colleague Jack Sostak um, discovered telomeres which I learned about at university, which is awesome that she's the one that discovered, um, the protective (laughs) caps at the end of chromosomes. And these were um, composed of repeating DNA sequences. They found that telomeres shortened during cell division. So every time a cell divided, these telomeres would shorten. And this led to cellular aging and eventually cell death. This discovery was mm-hmm. groundbreaking because it helped to discover the me- mechanism of cellular aging. In 1985, she and her colleagues discovered an enzyme they named telomerase that could replenish the telomeres and prevent them from shortening. This discovery was significant because it provided a potential target for new anti-aging and cancer therapies. 
which is really cool. <laughs> I mean, what a thing to discover. Yeah, I, I feel like I remember hearing yes. about this story because yes. uh, the big the big buzz thing, you know, in the mainstream channels was we've uncovered the secret of aging, That's you know, uh, how people are getting older and can we now reverse it? Yeah. yeah that, that was the, uh, it had to do with the telomeres and the lengths. That's right. I remember hearing about this. That was That's a very right. cool story. That is very cool. Yeah. Very cool. We've got some That's more. all I understand about it, what I just <laughs> yeah. said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a major discovery. I mean, these are all things that we didn't know before, you know, and it's great that um, women had a, a role in, you know, discovering them as well. So mm. next I'd like to talk about Professor Michelle Simmons, who's an Australian physicist. She, this one's amazing. She's well known for the development of the field of atomic electronics. She and her team at the University of New South Wales were able to develop the technique for building electronic devices at the atomic scale, which is known as atomic precision lithography. In 2017, Professor Simmons and her team were able to create a tiny transistor that consisted of just a few atoms and also read of just one atom. This paved the way for the development of new quantum computing technologies which rely on the properties of individual atoms to provide calculations, to perform calculations, sorry. She and her team went to develop a range of other quantum computing technologies including a new type of qubit, which is a quantum bit, that is more stable and reliable mm -hmm. than pre previous designs. So these discoveries in nanotechnology have made it possible for the development of faster and more powerful computers in the future. So I thought that was mm. pretty amazing. Atomic electronics. Wow. No, it's, yeah. <laughs> um, Mind-blowing. It really is. <laughs> yeah. That's incredible because we don't necessarily hear about these people, no. but what they do that has enhanced our daily living, you know, yes. supported our daily living is... um. Yeah, we, I guess we take for granted sometimes that's as well. That's it, exactly. There's so much going on that we don't know about and that's, you know, and, mm. and you know, some women scientists that we definitely don't know about. <laughs> um, don't Dr. know about it all. That's yeah. it. Dr. Fiona Wood, you may have heard of her. Um, she's been in the media before. Dr. Fiona Wood is an Australian plastic surgeon and a researcher who's made significant contributions to the development of new treatments for burns and other skin surgeries. She mm, performed her mm -hmm. research in the 1990s and early 2000s while at the Royal Perth Hospital Burns Unit and the University of Western Australia. In the late 1990s, she and her team developed a revolutionary new treatment for burns called spray-on skin. This mm. treatment involved taking a small sample of healthy skin from a patient, isolating the cells that produce a new skin, and then growing these cells in the lab. And these cells are already compatible with the burns victim. So, you know, when they put it on, it doesn't get rejected or anything like that. The resulting skin cells were then sprayed onto the patient's burn wound where they grew and regenerated new skin. Before that, skin grafting techniques were used which involved taking large sections of skin from other parts mm. of the body and grafting them onto the burn wound, which is quite, if you've yes. seen that before, it seems really painful and really hard to deal with. Yes. Um, yep. Wood's work on spray-on skin was first used on the survivors of the Bali bombings. And oh, yeah, yes, right, right. There's a lot of victims from that, unfortunately. Mm. And she, and since has led to improvements 
generally in the treatment of burns and other skin injuries and has been used to treat patients all around the world, which is so wonderful. That is amazing. It is. Yep. It is. Yep. And lastly, I mean, there are so many women, but I just picked a few. <laughs> lastly, I have Professor Anne Kelso, who's an Australian immunologist who has made a significant contribution to the field of medical research. She is well known for her work in understanding the immune response to the influenza virus and her contributions to the development of vaccines against influenza viruses. One of her key contributions was the discovery of the role of T cells in the, immu in the immune response to influenza in the late uh, 80s and 90s. Kelso and her colleagues were able to show that T-cells played a critical role in the immune response to influenza, particularly in controlling the spread of the virus from the respiratory tract to other parts of the body. This discovery challenged the prevailing view that immune response to influenza was primarily mediated by antibodies. She was mm. also involved in the development of new vaccine strategies against influenza, in early 2000s, Kelso and her team developed a new vaccine strategy that combined live attenuated virus, so virus that is alive but can't infect you, with a synthetic mm -hmm. molecule called a toll-like receptor agonist, which is a TLR agonist. This vaccine was found to be highly effective in inducing both T-cell and antibody responses against influenza and has since been used in clinical trials. So that's quite a major discovery as well. In, in uh, Well, you she know. has my deepest thanks because yeah. I hate the flu and yes. any flu shot that will help me not get it. Yes, 100%. <laughs> yeah, is a winner in my books. 100%. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is really yeah. interesting stuff as well, you know. It's pretty cool. Yes, yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah, those are – these are just a handful, honestly. If you go looking in yeah. the um, – on the Googles um, for women, yep. Australian women in science. There's actually heaps and heaps. <laughs> There's been many, many mm. contributions and discoveries made by women. And, um, yeah, I just think that this is, you know, International Women's Day is a special day to kind of highlight this because women, I think equality for women is still something to be worked towards because, you know, in science, in, in all fields, um, politics, it's, that's a big mm. one, you know, everywhere pretty yeah. much. So we love our men. Don't worry. I'm not having a go at men. I'm just saying that. <laughs> no, um, of course not. And that's not what this day is no, about. Of course, no. we know that. We're, you know, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just about highlighting women. I was going to say there are just, there are still some places in the world. Yes. And places in the Western world where yeah. we haven't quite met this idea of equality. And what we mean that's by right. equality in this sense is that, you know, the opportunity should be there for anyone. That's right. And we only have to look at, for example, you just cited at the beginning of this segment mm -hmm. that, uh, what was it, the STEM fields, yeah. 30%. Yeah, 36% uh, of women. So there's an imbalance, yeah. 36%. There is an yeah. imbalance. And so there's opportunity for, you know, for more. And yeah. uh, one thing I think is important is to highlight you know, figures, women who have, um, you know, who have achieved in these areas so that other young women can say, yes, I can do this too. Exactly. Because um, sometimes maybe uh, people might say, this is a field that's mostly for men. This is a field that's mostly for women. And mm -hmm. that's maybe not necessarily always true, not necessarily always helpful to think because maybe if we say that, we're also saying not welcome. You're not yes. welcome in these fields, you know, like yes. giving that, giving that perception. That's um, right. 
you know, and I'm not, sorry, I'm not a raging feminist, anyone who's listening, <laughs> right? But, you know, but the important thing is, again, if we want to put a, a Catholic link into this, the dignity yeah. of the human person, mm-hmm. we're all made in God's image mm-hmm. and we can't take away opportunities uh, for people to thrive. You know, the gifts of this earth, mm-hmm. including, you know, the, the gifts of science and so on right. and, um, in this particular instance, it's it's for um, all of us to access. That's so when I say right. all of us, I mean men and women. That's right. Yeah. And often... Uh, Where's my Nobel Prize? <laughs> no, sorry, <God. laughs> very good, very good. Yeah. And and it's true. I know going through high school, like you'd find girls weren't going into the sciences and I might have been like one mm-hmm. of a few who'd be doing chemistry and bi- like biology was okay, but like that kind of thing. And... I did have a teacher's kind of like, mm, maybe you shouldn't be doing science. Like, But I did science despite mm. myself. It's not because I was highly intelligent. It's more that I was really interested in it and something I wanted to work towards. And that's the field I wanted to work yeah. in because I just enjoyed yeah. it so much. And um, yeah. And I feel like there's kind of... Personally, I feel like if you're going to do science as a woman and you want to have a family, that's a whole new complication because there is yes. still yeah. that... There is still that thing in society where women tend to be doing the child minding. If you want to have a family, it kind of falls on you while the man has the, mm. more of a freedom to have his career and do his career. Now, it may not be the same mm. in all families, but I feel like that still is how it happens in society. So women sometimes have a real have more of a struggle and more of a fight to really have a career that they mm. want to have, you know, because then they have to consider everything else as well. Do you want a career or do you want a family? It kind of comes to that. Well, can you have both and how do you have both, you know? So it kind of brings up this other thing as well and that's I guess that's kind of something I wanted to mention as well. But, you know, there are a lot of lovely men who support their women as well, like um, of course. In, in marriages. And, um, and there are a lot of supportive men in science who do really encourage women. You sit, there are heaps of women who have made breakthroughs um, with there have been women being highlighted in NASA as well, saying, you know, bringing out the yep. contributions that they've made. And that's been really inspiring to me to see that as well. Yep. And the, the Artemis three mission will yeah, see the first woman exactly. on the moon. Yeah, yes. I mean, that's that's going to be amazing. That's going to yeah. be awesome. Let Science is brought to you by StarQuest Media and is a fortnightly podcast that brings you the scientific wonders of our universe from a distinctly Catholic point of view. For more from Caroline, Lindsay, and friends, listen to the StarQuest show, Catholics of Oz. Find links from today's show at sqpn.com slash science. And find the Catholics of Oz at sqpn.com slash Oz. Be sure to follow the show in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever you can find podcasts, or on the SQPN YouTube channel. The generous donations of our patrons at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue Let Science and all the shows at StarQuest, which makes our nonprofit mission possible. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. Join us next time for more scientific wonders. And thank you for listening to Let's Science on StarQuest. Here's another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy. Jimmy Akin's Mysterious World. Find the show wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash mysterious.